James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, on the line. James, how are you, man? I'm good, Andy. How's it going? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. Hey, we're, we're just about, well, what, uh, September 13th is training camp. We got the rookie tournament roster was released yesterday, and that's where uh, uh, the Maple Leafs will play uh, so a rookie showdown between teams from uh, uh, Montreal, from the Senators. When you look at this types of tournaments, and they have it every year, what ultimately, like big picture, what do you look to get out of it? Is it is it progress? Is it how these youngsters play as a unit against other prospects? Like, what do you look to take out of this rookie tournament? I remember going back to when Jake Gardner first played in one of these tournaments. I think it was 2011, when it was the year that they acquired him in, in the trade um, that uh, that sent Boschman to, to Anaheim. Um, when they acquired Jake Gardner and he played in one of these tournaments, and he was just heads and tails better than everybody else. Like he was, he was so good, and he didn't. He came in as you know a mid-level first-round pick and a guy that the team who had him had had given up on, and it was like, oh, who knows what we're going to get out of this guy? And he was so good at the rookie tournament, and then he was excellent as as a rookie under Ron Wilson back then. Um, sometimes you can see that kind of talent, that NHL-level talent really early on and in these tournaments when they just they just prove that how much better they are than everybody else. So that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anybody on this lease roster that's going to be able to accomplish that, but you probably want to see a Grunstrom and a Lilgren and some of the guys that have already played at least a year with the Marlies um, or, or in, in Grunstrom's case, uh, pro in Sweden. You want to see them distinguish themselves over everybody else. Right, and then from a curiosity standpoint too, Maple Leafs twenty ninth overall pick Rasmus Sandin. So you got yeah. the, the, the. I love James how we're looking at this Maple Leafs team, and the question at the big club level is, okay, how are you going to improve the defense? But you can see the light at the end of the tunnel if these prospects work out. You have Lilligren who's coming up. You'd have to think maybe next year could be his time. Then you have Sandin at, right behind him. So as far as having players in the pipeline with the potential to step up, never mind. We saw Travis Dermott in 37 games last year shine. What you could get in him. That defense, which a lot of Leaf fans are fretting about, real soon might be looking pretty good. Yeah, and at the very least, they're going to have guys on entry-level contracts yeah. who are going to be able to play in the NHL for dirt cheap. And, you know, maybe they're only third-pair guys. But there's certainly, as you said, there's certainly possibilities there. And that's what you want to see. And we did the the, the ranking of the farm systems of all 31 NHL teams at, at the Athletic. Corey Pronman did it. And the Leafs came in, in in 19th. And I think that's probably about where they deserve to be. But if you look at, in terms of uh, NHL teams, 23 and under players, the Leafs might have the best group in the whole league. Wow. So, you know, they've graduated a lot of players, obviously, from and a lot of their picks of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, guys that didn't even have to go through uh, the farm system, really went right into the NHL. Um, but what one of the things that Kyle Dubas is going to try and do is restock that farm system and make sure that the, Leafs, the Leafs at the NHL level are not only one of the top five teams, but they also have one of the top five uh, farm systems, which is hard to do, but that's uh, certainly why you've seen Kyle Dubas uh, rearrange the scouting department a lot this offseason. Well, James, that ultimately, like when Babcock came in with Shanahan, the goal, one of the goals was make it like that feeder system that they had in Detroit. It was always okay. You had a veteran group. You had the young crop coming up from the minors. They learned from the veterans. Then they taught the next group. And then it, you just got the culture of what it meant to be a Detroit Red Wing. And I think over this, this tenure right now, we're seeing that being built where, as you said, you have guys coming up 
and having some success. And then when new players come up, they learn the way to play as as a Maple Leaf under this this structure. Do you think they're on the right path for for that, like kind of that Detroit model? It's too early to say, I would say. I mean, it's going to depend how this 2018 draft goes. I mean, I look yeah. at 2016 and 2017, and I don't know that necessarily, other than obviously the first-round pick, I don't know if they got enough talent out of those drafts. Um, to restock the system to the extent they need. What Detroit did so well, obviously, is they hit on later picks. Yeah. You know, and so they had good teams, like you're talking about. This is before the salary cap, too. But they had yeah. good they had good teams, and then all of a sudden there would be a Datsuk or a Zetterberg or a Johan, Johan Franz, and, and those guys would come up, and they got he got him on the fourth or the third line and their later picks. And as a fan... Or I remember, you know, growing up and and not being a fan of the Red Wings and cheering for teams that that were playing them, and it's like, oh man, now they got this Zetterberg guy, and you know, and all of a sudden he's uh, lighting it up. You know, that's where the Leafs want to get is they want to have um, pieces that they draft in the second, third, and fourth round be able to step in and and be difference makers and and do so for uh, under a million bucks on an entry level deal. In conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, on Twitter, at Myrtle. And folks, don't forget, next Tuesday, September 4th, it's the return of Leafs Lunch right here on TSN 1050. So, James, let's move on from rookie tournament. We'll hope, hey, it would be great if someone really stood out and kind of caught our attention. But that'll be leading in to training camp. And now we get into the fun, big-picture ideas of what this Leaf season could be. And we put a Twitter poll up there uh, as far as, the expectations at an all-time high in the city for both the Leafs and the Raptors. And the question is, what's more likely to happen? Leafs or Raptors or both get to the finals or neither? I won't ask you to answer that one, but as far as the journey that the Leafs have to get to that point, to a conference finals, it's tough because they're not necessarily the best team in their own division. When it comes to to hurdles to overcome the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, Washington, Pittsburgh, how tough do you think it is going to be for the Leafs this year? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's you know, as you said, their division is is probably the best in the league. I mean, obviously, there's some some real weak points at the yeah, low yeah. end of the division, but they're going to be battling with. I think Florida's going to be better. I think Buffalo's going to be better. I think that there's going to be more of a challenge uh, from some of the middle teams. Um, but what I think the Leafs, one of the goals, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Babcock comes right out and says this uh, on the first day of training camp. One of their goals has to be to win the division, because then you avoid. Uh, having to play through both Tampa and Boston in yeah. rounds one and rounds two, um, and then and your path gets much easier. I mean, if you win your division, you, you all of a sudden you're playing a wild card team who's not necessarily a weak team, but it's going to be a weaker team than a Tampa or a Boston. So, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be more focus on on putting up more points in the regular season. They had 105 last year uh, with the addition of Tavares, with a full season with Dermott, uh, with some of the other changes and a more skilled fourth line and some more development from the young guys, they're going to be hoping they can get up into that 110, 115 range, and that should be enough to win the Atlantic. Yeah, and that's what you're going to need to do. And that really, if they can do that, that's their best, best path. Uh, James, when you look at the defense overall, and we've, we've talked about it, right? We went over kind of the, the youth movement coming up that has potential. But the one on the team right now, the Maple Leafs didn't make any sort of real big move. And in part, hey, listen, salary cap structure, you've got John Tavares. Do you think it's more, though, a wait-and-see to, to see, okay, what does Travis Dermott do the first chunk of the season? What does the rest of this group do with a Tavares in the lineup? And then maybe at that Christmas or into the New Year uh, time frame, then look to make a move on defense, if it makes sense? I mean, I think they would make a move now if there was one to make. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I think that they've, they've looked into that and, and tried to pursue something, and it hasn't come together. So, 
you know, it's you don't want to make you don't want to make a dumb deal, right. you know. So, and you don't want to give up too much, and you don't want to panic. And I think that they Kyle Dubas has really come out in defense of his defense. Right. <laughs> to to repeat myself, um, you know, he liked what the mix that the Marlies had. I think he wants to give some of those guys more of a look. Maybe it's a Justin Hall or. Um, Maybe it's uh, uh, Igor Ozaganov who's coming over from the KHL. I think that he wants to see some of these players play in minutes. And the other thing I wonder is maybe potentially you could see uh, someone like Travis Dermott play on the right side. Hmm. I'm interested to see what they do with the first pair. I think that that's going to be integral because part of why they struggled against Boston and down the stretch a little bit as well was that Ron Hainsey really slowed down because he was playing so many minutes. Um, they need to figure out is there a different option they can use on the first pair with Morgan Riley to play against top lines? And um, is there another option that they can use on the penalty kill now that Roman Polak's gone so that, that Hainsey and Zaitsev aren't playing ridiculous minutes because that really hurt them against Boston in the playoffs as well. So, you know, those are probably the two keys I'm looking for uh, in terms of that defense battle. And also with Hainsey, as nice of a job as he did, if, big picture overall, when you get up to that, those late 30s, 37, getting into 30, like that makes me so nervous, James, when you're relying on a guy as much as they did last year at that age, because either you can slow down or, hey, as we've seen, sometimes Father Time just smacks you in the mouth, right? And then you just lose yeah. that extra step. Yeah, and he's not the fastest guy. No, no. I remember talking to him on the locker cleanout day after the season and, and asking him about fatigue. And, you know, he didn't say no, that he wasn't tired. And they only went seven games in the first round. So, you know, if if... You know, the Leafs have designs on being a team that can play two months in the playoffs, not not just a couple of weeks. So you, you don't want to be burning guys like, like Ron Hainsey out. No, not at all. In conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Myrtle. Let's talk backup goalies here, James. Everybody loves backup goaltender situation. We got Freddie <laughs> Anderson. And you know what? It's great we can have this conversation rather than, okay, are they going to make the playoffs, right? Like, now we can get deeper, and that means the team is good. So it's, it's a good problem to have. But now you have Freddie Anderson out front. And I think everybody could agree that if you can have a viable option to take more pressure off of him ease the workload a little bit, and keep him fresher come playoff time, that would be ideal. The question being, McElhaney did well, but at some point you got to reward Garrett Sparks. HL goaltender of the year won the Calder Cup. How do you think this is going to play out? Yeah, I mean, I think that Garrett Sparks is going to win the job. I mean, the two options here are the Leafs either trade him or yeah. they give him the job as the backup. And I would want to see what he can do. Me too. You know, Fred, Frederick Anderson has been... I would say uh, an above average number one goaltender. He, sure. he hasn't been unbelievable. He hasn't been poor. Um, you know, he, I put him, I, I, I think I saw a list that had him 12th as the 12th best goalie in the league. That's probably about the right spot yeah. for Frederick Anderson. But there's no problem in challenging him. And there's no problem in giving yourself more options. There's no problem in having someone that when Anderson struggles or when he's fatigued or late in the year when you've clinch the playoff spot and maybe even division uh, to give more starts to somebody else. We know what Curtis McElhaney is. We know that he's going to max out at, you know, 15 starts a mm-hmm. season. Uh, why not get a guy in the net like Garrett Sparks who who can play more than that? So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think that that makes sense. you got to think about more than just this coming season. Curtis McElhaney is another guy who's moving into his late 30s. Yeah. And Garrett Sparks could be part of the future uh, solution in goal. For the Leafs, and if he has a great year in in 25 games as a backup, all of a sudden his trade value goes up, and you can then you have a decision to make on which goalie you want to be your number one. Sure, boy, 
Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm with you. That's got to be the the answer there with Garrett Sparks. Uh, James, great stuff as always, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Andy. James Myrtle, editor in chief of the Athletic Toronto, on Twitter at.